You are now listening to The Shyest Podcast, when millions of opinions just aren't enough. That train keeps a rolling as the Dolphins beat the Ravens on Thursday night. And that means it's time for the Week 10 Pick'em Show. It's officially past the halfway point in the NFL season. It's Week 10. And started off with Yet another surprise upset on Thursday night as the Ravens lost to the Dolphins 22-10. Didn't get to see this game because we got last-minute tickets to Hamilton. And, you know, those tickets are hard to come by, so I'll prioritize seeing something rare over a bad Thursday night football game. (laughs) Weird game. I don't know a lot of what happened. Uh, I saw a little bit of the first half. Looks like Jacoby Brissett got hurt, and Tua came in, and neither of them played particularly well, but overall they played better than the Ravens, who weren't moving the ball really in any direction. So I guess Miami figured something out in that game they had with Buffalo a couple weeks ago. The defense maybe gained some confidence that they could keep a powerful offense like the Bills mostly in check. And they uh, now have back-to-back wins for the first time this season, and they're 3-7. and So congrats, Dolphins. They did it mostly without all of their, you know, top receivers, except for Jalen Waddell, who I saw had a big catch. I figured he would play pretty well. I'm not looking at the actual numbers, but I guess I might as well if I'm going to be talking about it. Waddle only ended up with uh, four catches for 61 yards, but I did see the big 35-yarder that he caught. Um, set up a field goal, I think, before the end of the half or right after half. Either way, you got like Isaiah Ford and Albert Wilson. You know, they got it done somehow. Lamar Jackson and company couldn't really run the ball the way they like to, so credit to the Dolphins' defense. Crazy game. Yeah. That's the theme these weeks. Yeah. So now I'm not confident in anything I picked the rest of the way, but we got to keep picking anyway. So take it away. All right. Falcons at Cowboys. Ugh. I mean, the Cowboys are supposed to win this game for sure. And they're coming off a weird loss, so... Yeah, they're coming off a game where they were getting shut out 30-0 to zero at one point by Denver. And they need to bounce back. Like, if they're going to be taken seriously, they can't lose to the Falcons. The Falcons have no Ridley. Uh, their run game is pretty stagnant. I mean, Cordero Patterson is a nice dual-threat guy out of the backfield, but they don't have, like, a traditional run game. But somehow the Falcons have managed to get to 4-4 four and four despite maybe not being very good. Um, 
So that's respectable. It's better than they were last year. But it seems like every week the Falcons are in a position to blow a multi-score lead at the end of the game. And they do. They're almost always up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter and somehow let that go and end up in a game that shouldn't be a game. It happened against Miami. They ended up winning. It happened against New Orleans. They ended up winning that game, too. So it's just what the Falcons do. They find a way to blow the lead. Against Dallas, I think they were up 20-something points in the fourth quarter last year. And I had picked Atlanta to win that game. And they collapsed. And ever since that game, I've hated the Falcons. Because they're so hard to predict. They are, but... Realistically, Dallas is better everywhere. So they shouldn't lose that game. They're playing at home. If Dallas loses... You know, that's back-to-back bad losses, and you got to think that any hope they have of, like, being a legit Super Bowl contender is done at that point. So, got to go Cowboys, I think. All right. Next. Saints at Titans. There's no Alvin Kamara for this game. There isn't. I saw that this morning. (sighs) So, without him, what do they do? He's basically their whole offense. He's their leading receiver. He's their leading rusher. There's no Jameis Winston. So your starting quarterback and your starting running back are out. Mark Ingram is a very serviceable backup running back. He's been around the league forever. He's been a star a couple times throughout his career. Wasn't really fitting in with what Houston wanted to do, going like three number one running backs deep. Like, David Johnson, Philip Lindsay Ingram. Like, there's just not enough handoffs to go around there. It just is such a weird system to run. So, it makes sense that he leaves Houston. He could have a decent game in this game. Tennessee's defense is not particularly strong. So, it's tough to say that, you know, they... New Orleans can't run the ball without uh, Kamara in the game. Tennessee's near the bottom of the league in yards per attempt given up. And they still give up about 100 rushing yards a game. So I don't think the game plan changes too much for New Orleans. But what Tennessee's been able to do is get a lot of pressure up front on quarterbacks. They did it to Josh Allen. They did it to Matt Stafford. And... You know, I assume they're still going to do that to Trevor Simeon or whoever's going to play. But we may see Taysom Hill come into this game if the offense is stalling out a little bit. But, you know, the Tennessee defense, despite being pretty bad statistically, has played really well over the last month. And if they have a defense that can play above average and they get Derrick Henry back, they're going to be really, really tough to deal with in the playoffs. Even with Adrian Peterson, I mean, he's going up against the New Orleans run defense that's always been one of the best run defenses for the last couple of years. They're first against the run in yards per carry right now. Um, They are first in yards per game. And they're fifth in touchdowns given up. So New Orleans has a stout run defense, and they're going to definitely make it tough on the Titans. And we saw against the Rams, like the Titans didn't necessarily run the ball that effectively, but it was effective enough for them to do what they need to do. And they won that game playing defense. So 
this could be one of those weird games where Sean Payton just finds a way to outcoach Mike Vrabel and the Saints come up with a good defensive game plan. But I got to go with the Titans on this one. Next. Jags at Colts. Oof. I mean, the Jags played inspired football last week against the Bills. <laughs> they did. But the Colts are not the Bills. They're a very different style of team. And the Bills essentially refused to run the ball. They ran it a couple times. I think they ran it six times in the first half and four times in the second half, at least with running backs. Josh Allen scrambles here and there. There's, there was one design quarterback run for a yard that was ugly as hell. And the Bills just, their offense isn't designed to find running lanes. It's not the way they operate. They got to work on that because obviously it's kicking them in the ass in their three losses. But the Colts run the football. That's what they do. That's who they are. Jonathan Taylor has found his stride. And I think I saw a stat that the last time he played Jacksonville, he ran for like 230 yards or he had 230 yards total and a couple of touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns. And at teams that like to pass rush downhill, you got to run the ball on those guys. And the Colts have a good offensive line. I think the Jags are going to try to hang tough it's still a division game if they win and get to three and six and they beat indy and they fall to four and six you know they're not completely out of the division race if the titans were to lose but they're definitely ice skating uphill but since i got jonathan taylor i gotta go colts even if they lose as long as taylor you know <laughs> cracks off 200 yards and a pair of touchdowns i'll be happy all right next Browns at Patriots. Should be interesting. The Chubless Browns. Which means Darius Johnson, who I also have, is getting the start. And the Patriots have played better, but... You know, I'm reminded of what Dustin Poirier said after the third Conor McGregor fight. He said, karma's not a bitch, it's a mirror. And there was this play in the Panthers game where Mac Jones grabs a hold of one of the defensive players' ankles and kind of like twists him to the ground on Carolina. And the guy ended up getting injured. And I don't know the extent of the injury, but it was a play where Jones had thrown the ball, something had happened, and he was on the ground and he grabs this guy's ankle like to not let him chase down the play or maybe he thinks he has the ball or something but he rolls up on his ankle and people around the league are going to see this and the kind of people that you don't want to see this are the kind of predators they have on the D-line for Cleveland Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney are going to whoop the shit out of Mac Jones they're going to hit him over and over again, and they're going to take penalties in that game, and they're not going to care because they know if they kick his ass, that team's not going to do anything. So karma's coming for Mac Jones. I think the Patriots are probably solid enough to compete in this game because they run the ball well. They're going to have a good defense in place to deal with uh, Baker Mayfield. And without Chubb, it's going to be tough for... Cleveland to just hand the ball off like 30 times and dominate that way. But talking about teams with good offensive lines that run the ball, 
you're looking at like Tennessee, Indianapolis, Cleveland. Like those are the teams that have power O-lines that spent big money on those offensive lines to make sure that they can play the way they want. And the results speak for themselves. So Cleveland's dogging in this game. I know going into New England. Um, and it makes sense because New England's played better lately. And, you know, you got Belichick and that defense starting to click. The offense is starting to get a little bit better. Mac Jones is still a rookie, though. And I'm telling you, the video of that play has been going around. And everybody that needs to see it has seen it. It's not going to be good for him. Because any defender that gets the opportunity to just like lay that little bit of extra on him is going to do it. And in a game where... Like, you know, they don't really have a backup quarterback. It's not like Cam Newton's waiting on the sideline anymore to come <laughs> in in case Mac Jones gets hurt. Um, do they even have, do they have a backup? They do. Jared Stidham, I think, is the guy. They may even have a, a Hoyer over there still. I'm not super familiar with their depth chart, but Stidham was there last year. But anyway, like, what's a 15-yard penalty to Cleveland in a game where they could scrub mac jones for the whole game right it's like whatever we took 15 yards but this guy is either injured or playing scared the whole rest of the game that's a win for cleveland so i'll probably roll with the browns unless something pops up on the injury report that scares me but i didn't pick them last week when my gut was like pick them because defense run the ball it's november cincinnati's not ready for that yet cincinnati plays Sexy football. They like to throw the ball deep. They like to move with the quarterback, you know. Cleveland doesn't play sexy football, but they play effective late season football. And I don't know. I'm going I'm going Browns. Next. Bills at Jets. <laughs> I mean, last week I didn't give Jacksonville any credit. I was like, there's no reason the Bills should lose this game. And I still think that's true. The Bills should not have lost that game. But they did not adjust well at all. Like, Jacksonville just came out, was playing downhill on defense on them, getting pressure on Josh Allen. The Bills are throwing the ball too much in that game, and it just allows a team that wants to pass rush you to pass rush you. So the Bills played stupid. They got hit in the mouth. They didn't respond. And you heard from uh, Shaquille Griffin, who used to play for the Seahawks, he was talking about it after the game. He's like, yeah, we could see that their energy wasn't there. Like, they weren't invested in this game. And so we knew that if we just played hard, we would beat them. And all those things considered, like, the Bills were still... They had the ball with the game on the line with a couple minutes left. And they just kind of fizzled out. But they had a chance to win despite playing like crap. So they need to get their shit together, beat the Jets. They are favored by, like, 14 again which is a scary number considering Mike White has played really well for the Jets. And it, it, he at least has sparked their offense. And even without him, uh, their backup quarterback against the Colts managed to rally and put up 30. So it's a scary cover, but I'll take the Bills to win because if the Bills lose that game, I think they're their name being in the conversation as one of the best teams in football and maybe a potential Super Bowl contender, that is over. You can't lose to the Jags and the Jets in back-to-back -back weeks and still call yourself a good team. So the Bills have to win that game. 
but they are missing Tremaine Edmonds at middle linebacker. It shouldn't be too big of a problem because the Jets O-line sucks. So this is a game where the Bills D-line needs to come out and play hungry, play aggressive, play mean, get after the quarterback, give their offense a chance. And the Jets have one of the worst run defenses in football. So if there was ever a game for the Bills to figure out how they want to run the football, this is going to be it. So I've seen people are like, well, you should just throw it 60 times because we're missing like one corner. And it's like, yeah, but guess what? The Bills know how to throw the football for the most part. That's not what they need to work on. It'd be the equivalent of a guy who's a good fighter who has very good stand-up, but like doesn't work on their takedown defense. And they lose by getting taken down over and over. But instead of practicing takedown defense, they're always just practicing their striking. So in that analogy, the Bills got to work on their takedown defense. <laughs> anyway, what's next? Um, Lions at Steelers. Ew. Well, I finally said goodbye to Tyrell Williams on my fantasy team. He had brain damage or something after that what? concussion in week one. Yeah, he got hit illegally by a 49ers player. Um, went into concussion protocol in week one and never came back. And then the Lions waived him. They released him last week. Oh, really? Yeah. And it came out about the brain damage? Well, there was Have just never there was never any news about it. It just said he was out with a brain injury. Oh, brain injury. Was... So he signed a one-year deal. And I mean, if you're watching your team go like 0-4, 0-5, 0-6, like, do you really want to rush back to go die out there for that team? Like, nah. Not worth it. It's not. Honestly, like, his career prospects are better probably sitting out the rest of the year and maybe trying to sign on somewhere, but... He got waived, so he's available, and I didn't see anybody sign him. But I'm deep enough at receiver where I don't need him. And I was just, I was holding on to him like he's going to be the number one receiver, like Jared Goff is going to throw the ball. And I just, probably holding on to him like a month too long cost me a lot of roster moves that I shouldn't have had to deal with. But I digress. Pittsburgh should win that game pretty easily. But you never know. I don't think the Lions pulled the upset in this one just because the Steelers' defense is too good. Steelers' offense has had issues. The Lions have been able to play with some teams here and there. But Jared Goff is going to have to deal with that Pittsburgh defense. And Yeah, I just don't have faith in Goff. Yeah, sorry, Jared, but you guys, have, you guys are winless for a reason. The Steelers are starting to find their stride. The Steelers know how to play late-season football. It's like when November runs rolls around, you need to know how to run the ball and play defense. And the Bills have half of that figured out, but they got to figure out the other half. Steelers, they run the ball, they play defense, and it keeps them in games. So it's like they don't have to be perfect. Where whereas like if you're going to throw the ball all the time, like you got to be perfect because there's that old saying that when you throw the ball, three things can happen and two of them aren't good. So <laughs> That's what you're dealing with. The more you throw the ball, like you're really in like a one and three scenario every time. So got to be able to run, got to play defense. Pittsburgh does those things. They win. And they have a veteran quarterback. Yeah, it looks like his arm shot, but he's made some decent throws downfield in the right moments. So I think he's starting to play better as the season goes on, starting to get some of his confidence back. Either way, Big Ben knows how to manage football games, so 
I figure they probably win. They're at Pittsburgh, right? Yes. Yeah, they're going to win. All right, what's next? They're pretty heavily favored in the Yahoo app. I'm sure. <laughs> Bucks at Washington. Oh, okay. Bucks. The Buccaneers. I mean, Washington is just so bad this year. Like, <clears throat> And they're coming out of their bye week. Yeah, but they still suck. That's the problem. No, I mean, Bucks are. Oh, the Bucks. I think Washington is too. Oh. Well, that was weird timing. Uh, or was it? Did they play in week nine? I don't think so, no, actually. They were on bye, too, so. Weird. Looks like they're both coming out of their bye week. And I'm going to take a look at their depth chart really quick. So Curtis Samuel is out as usual. <laughs> and Benjamin St. Juiced is out. Uh, but that's about it. And then the Bucks will be without... A B and Gronk is still out. Iffy, right? Or is no, he, a, he is officially out. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gronk's out. Antonio Brown is out. Scotty Miller's on IR. Chris Godwin is questionable. JPP is questionable. So this is going to be a Mike Evans, Tyler Johnson effort. And you're probably going to see Cameron Brait, OJ Howard heavily involved. They got Darren Fells. I, th I think they signed him maybe their practice squad. So it's going to have to be a defense first run game. M maybe we'll see Mike Evans break off some big ones. But with all those weapons missing, it's a, actually probably the best case scenario you're going to get for Brady not having a monstrous game against you. <laughs> because looking at their personnel... I would say they're going to have to play like ball control offense. Like don't try and get into a shootout in this game. Just stay ahead of the chains, stay ahead on the scoreboard and positionally and get out of this game with a win and uninjured as best as possible. And they're mostly healthy on defense. They got Sherman there. Oh, they have Pierre Desir also from uh, the Seahawks team as a, he was a backup for them during their heyday. Antoine Winfield, Jamel Dean. Uh, so they, they their secondary is not as bad as it was a couple weeks ago, but missing Carlton Davis and Sean Murphy Bunting, who were two of their top three corners. So anyway, moving right along. Next. Panthers at Cardinals. <laughs> the return of Cam Newton. Is that official yet, though? Yeah, he's back. I would assume he's going to start because I think they put uh, Darnold on IR, if I'm not mistaken. Well, if there's a game that can get one, I feel like Cam has a lot to prove. So he he's going to win. want to win this one. Yeah, PJ Walker is listed as their starting quarterback right now, or at least the guy who's number one on the depth chart. But to bring Cam Newton back... And then to, not play him? Yeah, I mean, they're four and five, so they can't really, like, afford to lose. Maybe P.J. Walker starts and they let him play a couple series, and if he's not moving the chains right away, then, then, they, then they go to Cam. I don't know. Like, I'm going to be pulling for the Panthers, though, the rest of the season because it's weird that it happened this way, but to have Cam back... You know, it just, it feels right. He never really should have left Carolina in the first place. But the Cardinals are 8-1 and one for a reason. 
and if they're healthy, it's, uh, it's a tough recipe to deal with. And you still got Kyler questionable. You still got DeAndre questionable. Rondale Moore is questionable. They're missing Justin Pugh on the O-line. Uh, so there's a lot of question marks that make this game probably closer than it could be. And maybe the return of Cam is just going to... Spook them? It's going to give them an extra level of energy that maybe wasn't there before. And if he actually plays, there's some plays in the playbook that you can run with Cam and with uh, McCaffrey that are tough to stop. It's a reason their offense was so deadly, you know, when they first got together. You have to start respecting the run of Cam Newton, like short yardage run situations. Similar to, like, how Josh Allen is very good at converting uh, short yardage situation on, like, third and one. Cam Newton is similar, that big body. Um, but then when you start focusing on that, you can make some really dangerous offensive plays happen, like with a pitch to McCaffrey in space. Uh, I don't know. This is a game where Carolina might win this game. Arizona may come out and hold serve and show that they really are the best team. Um, they kicked the Niners' ass, but, you know, the Niners only have, what, two, three wins on the season, so that makes sense. Niners are not that good. Carolina showed it. They went into San Francisco without Hopkins, without Kyler Murray, and they kicked their asses. So, it's totally possible that, uh, Arizona is just that good, and despite Carolina having all this positive energy and momentum with them, like, Arizona's still at home. It's, it's not an easy game to pick, though. There are reasons where I could think that Carolina maybe gets the job done there. Stephon Gilmore played well last week. Like Their defense is starting to look more like it did in the first month of the season. And did you say Kyler is still questionable? Uh, he is, yeah. Carolina did lose to New England last week, if I'm not mistaken, which is where that weird play happened. Mm. But it was their offense that stunk it up more so than the defense. All right, what's next? Moving right along, Vikings at Chargers. Another major <laughs> ugly game that I don't want to pick. Both teams' defenses are not good. They're built very similar, where it's like they have a really nice one-two punch at receiver on the outside. They both have good dynamic running backs in the backfield. I don't know if this is a coin toss game. To be honest, whichever team has the ball last will probably win. Interesting. It's very heavily favored Chargers. It is. In terms of the actual uh, Yahoo picks. But the Chargers are only three point favorites and the Vikings are coming in at plus 145. But is that because they're in L.A. maybe? That they're that? Yeah. I mean, they're probably favorite because they have a winning record, right? But... You know, they've lost some games that maybe they shouldn't have lost, and the Vikings have won some games that maybe they shouldn't have won, and vice versa, and they've played in a lot of close games. It's just these teams are like a mirror image of each other when I look at them. It's like, okay, great number one, two receiver, great dynamic running back, and then uh, defenses that are very subpar. The Chargers are near the bottom of the league in run defense. 
they have the worst yards per carry. Uh, but Minnesota's right there with them. They both give up a ton of ground yardage. Minnesota's giving up 136 yards on the ground per game. The Chargers giving up 161. Um, so they're both getting just chewed up on the ground completely. And let me see their, uh, their pass defense here. Where are they at? Donde esta? The Vikings are 11th and the Chargers are second. So they both have much better pass defenses than rush defenses, but that's also probably because they give up so much ground yardage that why throw the ball when you can, you know, dominate them on the ground. So should be high scoring. Take the over in that game. When the over is 53, yeah, I'll take the over in that game. And then, I don't know, coin toss. Minnesota can win this game. I, I don't know that I'm confident in the Chargers. Looking at, like, veteran players, I think you got the veteran leadership on Minnesota more so. Uh, you got a longer-tenured coach, longer-tenured quarterback. Uh, I think Cook, yeah, Cook and Eckler are about the same, but... Like Thielen and Allen are about the same, and then Mike Williams has been around, but the coach for the Chargers is first-year coach, young guy, so I don't know. It is in L.A., but the Chargers have shown me that I can't, like, trust them. Like, that first month of the season, it was like, oh, the Chargers are one of the best teams in football, and then the last month of the season, it was like, they're good, but they're not there yet. They're like the Bengals. Good, but young and not consistent yet. And shit, the Bills are in that category too. The Bills are 5-3 and three and like we forget because they went to the AFC title game that like this is still a very young team. I think Josh Allen's like 26, right? Something like that. So the Bills are still very young at most of their key positions. Like their oldest player is Emmanuel Sanders and then Beasley, but the rest of their receivers are all sub-30. So they're all they're all young. And you got to remember that. So, I could see Minnesota winning this game. I don't know what I'm going to pick ultimately, but scary. Next. <laughs> uh, Eagles at Broncos. This is John Bronco. I don't know. I like the Eagles. <laughs> On a side note, if you can watch the John Bronco movies, there are a couple of short films with Walton Coggins. They're hilarious. But I don't think I'm going to pick the Broncos. I don't know. They're at home. They look pretty good against Dallas, but Dallas underestimated them. It's one of those games where the Broncos came out and played with a ton of energy. They're still alive in the playoff race. They're still alive in their division race. I just, I don't know. The Eagles also, they disappoint me so often. Like, why am I going to choose the Eagles in this game? They're 3-6 and six against a 5-4 and four Denver team. Neither team, honestly, though, I don't think either team is good. That's my take on it. The Eagles get chewed up on the ground as well. Denver's defense was pretty good early in the season. But as of right now, I don't know that either thing is true. Their pass defenses are similar. Let me see, run defense. That's team defense. 
Eagles have a decent run defense. They give up a lot of yards per game, but... You know, they're them and the Broncos are not too far off, so... It comes down to, like, is Jalen Hurts going to be able to make the play that matters when it matters versus Teddy Bridgewater? You know, are those Eagles running backs going to be able to do what they've been doing? Are they going to commit to the run... Are they going to be able to deal with the altitude? Honestly, like, no matter who wins that game, I'm not surprised either way. If the Eagles win, I mean, the Eagles are plus 110. So of all the games on the schedule this week, this one is the closest. The Broncos are favored by a point and a half. The Eagles are plus 110, so barely underdogs. And the Broncos are minus 130. So looking at all that, you know, I think the odds makers are looking at it like I am. Like, it's tough to tell which of these teams is actually... The better of the two so tough one to pick i don't know yet maybe in desperation i'll make a play on the underdog but moving on <laughs> i don't know it's anyone's game these days yeah we all picked the ravens in week one so we're all and one this week ridiculous yeah next S seahawks at packers the return of russell wilson in lambo Packers are heavily favored, I think, for a reason, rightfully so. But I don't know. Russ is back. You've got to think that that's going to at least boost Seattle a little bit. I wish they would have made a move to get an extra receiver or something to add to that offense. Because their offense is a little predictable with their approach. I mean, they're good, but... I got Russ in fantasy, so I'm hoping that he plays well. <laughs> the Packers' defense has been playing really well lately, though. They've, you know, won some games mostly on defense. So that's a promising note, but Russell Wilson is not anybody. And uh, it's going to come down to, like, how good he feels and how well he plays. If he's back and he's been preparing the right way, use his legs a little bit as a weapon against that defense... Uh, Seattle can win that game, even though it's in Lambeau. Seattle needs to win that game. I think they made it back to 3-5. and five. So that's not great going against the 7-2 and two team. But this is a classic rivalry between these two quarterbacks at this point. So you got to know that they're going to shoot it out. You know, I mean... Look at it this way. Russell Wilson has missed like a month, but he's still got 10 touchdowns to one pick. He's thrown for 1,200 yards. Aaron Rodgers hasn't missed a game. He's thrown for about 1,917 touchdowns and three picks. Um, so it's going to be on Seattle to make Green Bay have to beat them in that game rather than vice versa. And the way you do that is making Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. <laughs> Russell Wilson. Russell Whistle. Russ. Danger Russ Wilson. He's going to have to put the emphasis on defending him more so than shutting down all the other options. Because if he's just going to stand in the pocket and like try and throw over the D-line, like that's how his finger got jacked up in the first place. He's going to have to move the pocket. He's going to have to scramble. They're going to have to design some stuff for him to throw on the run. 
but when you start having to commit an extra guy to watch him, that'll open up that second level. So, Ugh, I probably shouldn't, but I think I'm going to roll Seahawks. I want Seahawks to win this. Yeah, I want them to win too. So, I mean, I'll pick with my heart and everybody's going to pick Green Bay. So maybe I get a game there. It's in the afternoon, so. Moving on. Moving on. Chiefs at Raiders. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. I don't know if the Raiders have their head screwed on straight with everything that's going on. They lost to the Giants, who the Chiefs barely beat. So if you're using NFL math, you would think that the Chiefs are going to win that game. The Chiefs need to win the game. Let me see if I can peek at the standings. I don't have it open, but I will take a peek. And you got the Chiefs sitting at 5-4 and four and the Raiders sitting at 5-3. and three. So despite a horrible season so far by the Chiefs' standards, they are a half game back of first place in their division. But they're 0-1 in the division so far. If they can get this win, they'll leapfrog the Raiders and they'll avoid being behind the Broncos. But if they lose, they fall back to last place, assuming the Chargers... Uh, well, the, even if the Chargers lose, it'll be a tie, so... Oh! Something got delivered. I've got to side with the Chiefs. I mean, I don't really think they're playing all that well. But it's just a must-win game. The Raiders beat them once last year. I think it was in Vegas, too. I don't know. That's not a game I'm confident in either direction. You know, the Raiders kind of lost their their deep threat identity with rugs and then they signed deshaun jackson so they're probably going to just try and plug him into those situations i don't know i think edward Solaire is back maybe i thought i saw him back at practice i don't think he is mr clyde edwards Hilaire. not that he's necessarily game changing but it helps yeah he's still listed as ir i thought i saw him either getting closer or getting activated, but I guess I was wrong, so. Who knows? All right. Last Moving one, on. Monday night. Oh, that's the uh, Chiefs Raiders is Sunday night. Okay, so it's prime time. A lot of pressure on the Raiders to hold serve then with everything that's going on. You know, the media coverage is going to be all about what's happened over the last two weeks. Their coach, their former coach, I should say, is now suing the NFL to drag everybody into the pits of darkness with him. It's going to be a circus. That's a lot to deal with because all the players just have to answer questions. So the Chiefs get to go in there as underdogs, <laughs> <laughs> which is probably good for them. I don't know. I'm leaning towards Chiefs. I prefer the Raiders win. It'd be hilarious if the Chiefs missed the playoffs. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, maybe they'll have to take back that baby goat status from Mahomes. They'll just make excuses for him. If if the Chiefs miss the playoffs and Mahomes plays like shit the way he's playing, they'll just be like, oh, well, their offensive line and his receivers are dropping and blah, 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 blah. It's like you said this guy was the greatest quarterback of all time, and they went from losing a Super Bowl to missing the playoffs. Like, you need to rescind that goat bullshit. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Rams at 49ers. Monday night. Bum, 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 bum. I don't even know if I'll watch that game if basketball starts, but. 
The Rams, uh... They can't lose this game. Not after losing to the Titans. I mean, it's a division game. The Niners are going to play them tough. They know how to play each other. Even when the Niners aren't good, like, that's always a tough game. But the Rams are supposed to win that game. And they were supposed to win last week. All these teams are like, nobody wants that number one seed in the bye week. They're all just like losing these games they're not supposed to. So if the Rams want to keep pace with Arizona, they got to win this game. It's a division game. Arizona's in that division too, so all those tie breaks are going to matter. And we're going to see Odell Beckham on the Rams now. And he's going to plug into all those Robert Wood routes now. Robert Woods, sorry. Uh, now that Woods went down with the knee injury in practice and he's out for the season, unfortunately, for them. That's sad. Yeah. I'm a Woods fan. Yeah, I like Robert Woods, and I don't think the Rams needed Odell, and they brought in Deshaun Jackson, and they kind of, like, used him in week one or week two, and then just they don't throw the ball his direction at all, so bringing in Beckham to fill in for that position just didn't make any sense, other than he's a, he's a good player who's available, and it's like, we want to invest beyond this year, but I think they only signed a one-year deal, so... Well, now they need him. Now they need him. But. Weird omen. Yeah, very much so. Because there was so much about, like, him being a locker room cancer and all these teams, like, quitting on him. And, like, I don't know Odell enough. I just watch him, like, fight with guys on the field, and that's never a good look. But I saw him take some, like, dirty shots on some players, uh... On the field or in the... Yeah, like, during some games, like, he, they'd be fighting with a cornerback or something, and then he'd turn around and, like, helmet to helmet the guy. So, he's definitely uh, emotional out there. But there's teammates that have come out and spoken highly of him and that he's been a very good teammate to them. Baker Mayfield's not going to be one of those guys that says that, but, you know, he's going to get some targets here, and we'll just see. Like, if he's not effective here, and he's dropping the ball, and he's getting injured again, then, you know, maybe the Rams wasted that pick. It's just horrible timing that the day he signs, Woods goes Woods down. blows his ACL out. Sad. It is very sad. So, sorry to Robert Woods. Uh, miss you out there, but when you switched your number from 17 to 2. <laughs> that was the bad omen. Nah, it wasn't a bad omen, but it means I couldn't draft him on my team. <laughs> I know, nobody's wearing 17 anymore since they changed the rules, so... I got, what, Zacius? Olamedius? He wears 17, Jalen Waddle wears 17, Devontae wears 17. But what was the rule change that made everyone change their numbers? Uh, they allowed receivers to wear single digits. And linebackers. So it's... Basically, it was like position groups have assigned number groups to like help identify everybody on the field interesting i don't think i ever knew that yeah so like that's why like most safeties and cornerbacks are wearing something from like 20 to 40 and then linebackers were typically in the 50s offensive defensive linemen are like 60s 70s to 90s quarterbacks and kickers were the only people that were wearing uh certain numbers and then they changed it to allow uh like numbers in the teens for receivers 
and then they changed it so that everybody could just basically like free for all it on the numbers. Why did they change it? I don't know. Jersey sales, like if like say you like a defensive player and his number is like fifty seven or fifty nine, it's just like not a number that you want to wear. But now you have a defensive player and he's wearing like an eight or a nine, like something that looks cooler. Like it's all about the revenue stream. So plus all those players that um change their jerseys, like if you like Robert Woods, like now you gotta buy his number two jersey. So I don't know. I don't like that. I feel that like new players coming into the league, yeah, you can do that, but you should have just like everybody who's got their number already, just keep them with their number. Such a weird rule to pay attention to. Well, what it does is it makes it difficult on the offenses to like see the groupings of personnel on defense. Like you line up and then it's like, well, this guy's wearing eight, that guy's wearing nine, this guy's wearing 58. Like, is this a cornerback, a safety, a linebacker? So unless you like your your study beforehand has to be much, much cleaner. You can't just walk up to the line of scrimmage as a quarterback and be like, well, all three of these guys are wearing 50, so they're all linebackers. So it's a big advantage to the defense. It wasn't a necessary change, but whatever. <laughs> so anyway, Rammy Rammies, Slammy Slammies. Are they in San Francisco? Yes, that game? San Francisco. Well, technically Santa Clara, but you know, you thought that would have mattered against the Cardinals, and it did not at all. So I've got to think that the Rams are going to do their due diligence and prepare for this game in a way that they did not when they found out Derrick Henry was injured. So, all right. Well, I think that just about does it. I don't have anything else to say other than go Bills. Hopefully your fantasy matchups work out for you. Uh, I don't even know what I need this week. I'm playing against my stepdad in fantasy. He's mad that I have Darrenis Johnson and he couldn't get him. But I've had Darrenis Johnson for like three weeks. So I didn't just snake him this week when I saw Chubb <laughs> on the COVID list. Um, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. Avita Zane, adios. Ciao. Ciao, Until next time, thanks for listening. Take care, everybody. Thank you to everyone who took the time to listen to the episode. I still believe that word of mouth is the best way to help, so if you enjoyed it, please tell somebody. But liking, subscribing, and sharing go a long way, too. This show is an extension of thescheiss.com, and you can contact me at info at or at Podcast on Twitter. And until next time, be well, stay safe, and go Bills. <laughs>